Amen. If you would, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Kind of wouldn't be the Sunday before Christmas if we didn't talk about the shepherds and angels. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14 is uh, going to be our text today. And I'll be reading from the uh, ESV version. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you, this, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the opportunity to open Your Word to look into the story of your arrival in flesh on earth and father just right now as we take a moment to take in and to commune with your holy spirit through the preaching of your word i pray that uh, we will see something different than we've ever seen before maybe we will maybe we won't but father we know that you will reveal to your children that which you would like to reveal in jesus name Amen. So in this time of the writing of this scripture, in the time of Jesus' arrival, we find ourselves in a time where here we have a man on earth that is trying to make himself God, Caesar Augustus. He is already demanding that people treat him as if he is deity. He's uh, demanding that people uh, recognize him as a god. And yet, in a time that we have a man who's trying to become God, God is quietly and humbly becoming a man. And we see this story unfold. And I just found that wonderfully refreshing that we have such a powerful and righteous God who would humbly arrive in such, um, in such a way. And we've said this before. I know I've said it from here and I've said it all of my saved life, there are a multitude of different types of people. There are cultures and languages and dialects and thousands of different uh, really races and cultures and all of these. Savers and spenders and cold-natured and warm-blooded and, you know, you, you, we, we find ourselves molded together sometimes. I'm, I'm kicking the the blanket's off and my wife's pulling them on. And, uh, you know, we have a molding all over the world of different cultures and different types of people. But when you boil it down, there's really two types of people. Those who believe and those who don't. That's really it. When you boil it down, there's those that believe and there's those that don't. Now, the level of interest on the unbelieving side is often manifested in different ways. Some are seeking or asking or at least interested in God. 
but some are downright not interested at all. They have disdain for him. They have disdain for his church and his people. I was in school, Bible college, a long time ago. Not, not too long ago, but a, a long time ago. Long enough ago that I heard a story told, retold by my, one of my instructors. But it was originally told by Dr. Criswell, uh, the, the old popular Southern Baptist preacher. And he was telling a story about some Russian cosmonauts. And he said in the early days of space travel, this Russian cosmonaut had come back to earth and declared that he had looked for God in space. And he said, I didn't find God anywhere. Dr. Criswell Criswell said, "Um, I gave him a pretty decent reply. I simply said, let him take his spacesuit off while he's up there and see how quickly he believes. So I just find that interesting that we have these two dynamics. We have a multitude of cultures and a multitude of languages and dialects. But when it boils down, there's just two types of people, believers and unbelievers. It takes a little bit of cultural abnormality to be a believer, especially today. But if you think about it, it took some cultural abnormality to be a believer in that day as well. Now, if we're sitting out here in beautiful Nelson County, right out here maybe on the golf course late one night and the star is shining and it's somewhat light, but it's pretty dark, and all of a sudden a bright light shines over top of us, our mind begins to think of what that could possibly be. Some of us might go all the way to the UFO side of things and start to, you know, take video and send it into certain news channels. Some of us might think there is a low-lying plane or some type of accident getting ready to happen because we already have the knowledge and understanding that there are things that fly around in the sky. And we would begin to reason and understand what that could be. But I could not imagine being a first-century shepherd and all of a sudden the sky lights up as bright, and it's the glory of God that's shown. This isn't just a bright light on a helicopter. This is the glory, the, the, the very illumination that will light heaven for eternity. It, the glory of God shone off out of the sky. I could imagine what was going through their minds. Especially when they need to come back off of that hill and go tell somebody about it. Shepherds already don't have the greatest reputation in Jewish society. Most of them were looked down upon because of their particular trade. They were dirty. They slept with their animals. Uh, Many of them uh, engaged in uh, less desirable activities. And so for them to wander off the side of the hill and talk about this great bright light that just shone on them and 10,000 angels talking to them, you can imagine somebody probably thought they were in the sauce a little heavy. And so I, it was a cultural abnormality for someone to be a believer. But it, it is almost impossible to miss all of the supernatural and spiritual elements of the story of the arrival of Jesus. It's just almost impossible. Angels pop up all over the Christmas story. Angel tells Mary she'll give birth. An angel tells Joseph to call his name Jesus. An angel warns Mary and Joseph to flee to Egypt. An angel tells them when it's safe to return. 
And in the text we just read, an angel announces the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. And then 10,000 more show up to sing about it. So you can't miss the supernatural, the spiritual existence, the, the evidence that is there. But even the mysteriousness of it all. The star that leads the Magi from distant lands to Bethlehem to the, to the very exact spot that God takes on flesh and comes to earth. They were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, but to go home another way. So you have angels and stars and uh, supernatural experiences. The cosmos is involved. So it takes a pretty big stretch culturally for us to say, I believe that. I can't remember who the, the, the preacher was at a conference I was at. and He, was, he basically was laying out the gospel. He, he, he talked about before man and the birth, uh, the, the creation, and then the fall. And, geez, and he went through the whole thing. And he was sharing of this experience that he had had with someone. And at the end of telling the whole story of the gospel, the guy looked at him and said, do you really believe that? And the guy said, yeah. He said, I had the biggest smile I ever had on my face. He said, yeah, I really do. I really do believe that. It's, a, it's an amazing story when you sit down and think about it. But it really isn't that hard to believe when you understand the character and nature of God. It isn't that difficult to understand just how humble God is in His entrance into the earth. Now remember, God is the great I Am. He is the all-knowing. He is the Creator. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the glory and honor and everything is due to Him. Not some, all glory, all honor is due Him. But yet, in His desire to be reachable by everyone, not just scribes, not just learned, uh, learned Jews, not just uh, Pharisees, but to be accessible and knowable by all. In that desire, He has Himself born in a manger, in a trough. And He's humble and He's accessible on the outskirts of town. And who gets the first message? shepherds a bunch of disliked discombobulated disenfranchised people sitting up on the side of the hill outside of town unloved and uncared for except within their own community and jesus is announced to a bunch of ragtag shepherds if you think about it i don't know if there's anybody in here that works in pr but this is a pr nightmare this is a wreck this is, a, this, is, this is not the guy you hire for your company, okay? This is a PR nightmare. God's going to rely on this bunch of ragtag shepherds to go pass along news about His arrival. No, no majesty, no, no proclamation in the court square, no temple arrival, no scribes and Pharisees lining the aisles as they wheel the baby's cart in. None of that. So it leads me to wonder why shepherds? Why? I don't know the answer to that, but I would love to offer some of my opinion on that. 
But I think that we see here scripturally that God has a purpose for this. God does the unexpected with the unsuspecting. There's your first one. I know you're going to take some notes, sister, so I'm going to give them to you. God does the unexpected with the unsuspecting. He doesn't work as we expect. How many of you could raise your hand right now and say, I had a need met in my life by God and He did it completely the opposite way I would have done it if I was going to meet my own need. Most of us in here could probably raise our hand or know someone who could. He did it completely the opposite of what we would do it. And He did it in a way that completely caught us off guard. We were unsuspecting. I can remember, I just recently shared a story about being in, uh, when I was very young, I was a new believer. And I was struggling, I was a, I was a soldier, I was struggling to keep a family together, I was in Bible college, I was working with a prison ministry, I was flat broke. I didn't have a penny to my name, I literally had no money in the bank, no money in my pocket, and a little baby about the size of that one right there. Eh, a little bigger, maybe a year old. And I had to go to the grocery store. And I didn't have any money to pay for the groceries. Now, because I was a young believer and I was unaware of the plethora of assistance within the Christian community, I pride held me back from asking for any help. But the Lord showed up. And he literally, I can't explain it to you, showed up and impressed upon me to go to the grocery store and get what I needed. I'm a 20-something-year-old guy with a one-year-old baby pushing a cart through a grocery store, and I'm crying because I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. So I'm, re- I'm reliving this story as I'm telling this because the, the person who God used to, to help me called me the other day. I hadn't talked to him in years. And so we're going through the grocery store, and the baby, of course, wants everything that, that he can reach. And I'm telling him, no, 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 we're going to get what we need. We're going to get what we need. I get all the way up to the counter, and I'm literally doing the unexpected. I would never go into a store and begin to put things on a cart, on a, on a, uh, on a conveyor belt to pay for them with no money to pay for them. And I'm weeping. I'm crying because I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. And in the door of the grocery store runs this guy, Kenny Cooper. He busts through the door. I mean, he runs into the grocery store. And he's looking around like this. And he yells my name, Brother Dan. Now, this is a young, single Marine with just come to Christ. I mean, he was, you could still smell the salvation on him. He was that fresh. He comes running into the grocery store and he runs up to me and he hugs me and says, God told me to give you this. He takes it just like this. And I take my hand off of his and he just points at me and runs back out of the grocery store. And I'm scared to death to open my hand. Because man... He's a broke, single Marine. He's broker than I was. 
I was scared to death to open my hand and see a $5 bill. And he went out, and I continued to ring up with a death grip on whatever it was within my hand. And everything rang up. And I, gave, I opened my hand, and it was a $100 bill. And my groceries were 97 and some dollars. Now that is a God who does not ever, to the last second, to the last minute, forget what his plan is and why he does what he does. God does the unexpected with the unsuspecting. Years later, when Kenny and I tried to retell this story without crying, he said that he was driving away from the church and he was a brand new baby, Christian. He was driving away from the church that night and he was headed out for a night on the town. And he was under so much conviction and God literally told him to go into the grocery store and give me everything he had in his pocket and all he had in his pocket was his last hundred dollars. That's a God who has an ornate plan and does the unbelievable and unexpected with the unsuspecting. And so here we should not come to any surprise that he would arrive and announce his arrival to some shepherds. He would do the unexpected to the unsuspecting. One Jewish scholar wrote, uh, while speaking on Luke's account of this, he said, this affords the strongest indirect evidence of the truth of this narrative. Now this is a Jewish scholar. For if it were the outcome of Jewish imagination, where is the basis for it in contemporary expectation? Where is the basis for it? If a Jewish writer were to write this, in order for it to be in Jewish legend forever, the Messiah surely would not have been presented to shepherds in a food trough. Man, that, that is amazing. So not only does God do the unexpected with the unsuspecting, but I believe He wanted a big stage without a big bang. And let me explain that. He wanted a big stage without a big bang. So this might contradict what I was talking about, Him being a humble God who came and the baby's born... If God was going to have 10,000 angels announce Jesus' arrival in the temple, it would have been really crowded. And the sky would not have been lit up. And these shepherds would not have had this amazing experience. You know why? Because they wouldn't have been in the temple. They wouldn't have been invited. Christ announced it on a big stage without a big bang to exactly who He wanted to announce it to. It's... This is so like God. Only a group under open skies could have received such an amazing message. And where would he have found if he was to announce to the scribes and if he was to announce to the, the well-to-do? Where are they at night? In their homes. In their houses. I find it interesting that Jesus would not have a home and not have a place to lay his head. So they could relate to the most accessible and wonderful God. 
So not only did he, does he do the unexpected with the unsuspecting, and not only did he want a big stage without a big bang, but I think Jesus came specifically to reach the poor and humble. With the message of the gospel, because if he would have brought it to the affluent and the rich, they would have hoarded it. They would not have shared it. But the poor and the humble are the most giving people anywhere. I remember as a soldier going down uh, day one of Katrina down in Mississippi. Everyone's house, it looked like a nuclear bomb went off down there, folks. And a lady was pulling up to the checkpoint, the Army checkpoint. And she gets out and she has a big tub full of catfish, fresh fried catfish from a lake a couple miles away. Now, I'm not a catfish eater by any means. That wasn't the point. The point was they had nothing and they gave everything. God brought the message to the poor and the humble because they would share the message. But the elite and the higher up, they would hoard it because they had already shown what they would do with Him. They would isolate people from Him. They would push them afar off. They would require something of them in order to gain Him. And so He didn't come to a religious establishment. He came to the poor and the humble because He knew the poor and the humble would share what they got. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, He who had been rich became poor, that we, through his poverty, might become rich. So God brought this amazing message to this group of people because the poor and the humble give when they get. The rich still had a place, though. He didn't leave the rich out and say, No, not at all. We have magi that see the star. Wealthy people who come and gather and are drawn to this different thing that they can't explain why they're loading up camels and carts and bringing these, traveling these thousands of miles to come. And so he may have delivered the message to the poor and humble, but it was to be received by every layer of society. But I think probably the most apparent reason that he would present himself to shepherds is the lamb of god was being born that night the passover lamb was being born that night the the lamb of god is coming into the world who better to receive the lamb than shepherds who would be more appropriate of an audience for the good news of the birth of the final Passover lamb than this unsuspecting group of shepherds? As I was reading over the stories and I was reading commentary after commentary, I, I came across something John Piper said that I had never heard before. John Piper pointed out in a commentary on this segment, segment of Scripture that the flocks on the hills outside of Bethlehem were different than any flocks of sheep anywhere. I had never heard this. I've been saved 20-something years. I'd never heard this. These were the temple lamb. They were raised by these shepherds 
for the specific purpose of being sacrificed in the temple. That's who these flocks of shepherds were. That's who these sheep were. That's who the attendants of these sheep were. Were the guys who were raising the sheep that would now be replaced by the ultimate Lamb of God. I I just found that amazing and fascinating as I read that. I can't believe that I'd never known that, nor took the time to read deeper into it. So how quickly this passage then becomes even more particular. When you go back and you think of story after story of God's provision for His people, it is intricately and well-designed. And God doesn't miss any details in anything. So this is also interesting because 30-some years later, he'll choose a bunch of smelly fishermen to entrust the message of the gospel to. So he arrives to a group of shepherds, and then he entrusts the message and the continuation of the truth of the gospel to a bunch of fishermen. I think it's beautiful that he would do that. So we can, we can share this message with anyone and everyone. Whether they live in a mansion or live in a car. Whether they have lost all hope or say they don't need your hope. We can share this message with anyone and everyone. We also can understand that it does not matter what our socioeconomic status is or what our cultural references or preferences are. There are two types of people in the world. Those who believe and those who don't. Isaiah 53, 12 said, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many and he will divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Hebrews 7.25 says, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So this Christmas, we have an amazing story to tell. We have an amazing God who is so detail-oriented. He can be seen on the big screen and He can be seen in the small details of everything. There is not a space or time that He can't be seen. And so this is the Christmas story that we should be sharing is reminding people, doesn't matter where you are, I know where He is. And I know who He is. And so I want to challenge us that the greatest Christmas gift we can give, better than anything, and i got some pretty ones under my tree, and I can't wait for my kids to open them. But the greatest gift we can give is the gift of our time to tell this great story to someone who needs to hear it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. I thank you for illuminating and showing me some things that I had skipped over in my walk with you. Lord, thank you for showing me some 
fresh things. Lord, thank You for reminding us that You are a God who is more than detail-oriented. You create the detail. And so God, I just pray that no matter what status someone is in right now, whether someone is on the ropes right now of this world and they are struggling and they are, they are, they are loading the groceries on the conveyor belt of their life right now, God, I'm asking you to send a Kenny Cooper. Lord, I'm asking that if there is someone who feels distant from you or feels like they have arrived and that, Lord, remind them that their need is you not anything else. Lord, maybe You would bring to heart into our hearts and our minds someone that we know. Maybe someone that we have been resisting speaking the Gospel truth to. Because we have feared that it would break a relationship that we had formed. Remind us that that relationship was formed for that very purpose. And So Lord, I just pray that as your family of these beautiful people who call home Rockfish Valley Baptist Church, those who might listen to this sermon, whether it's a day later or years later, those who are identified as your children, that you will right now in your Holy Spirit's power bring to mind that which you would like them to do, to respond to, and Lord, if there's someone who needs to believe you and accept this truth, I pray that would happen as well. We love you and we thank you and it is in your powerful son's name we pray. Amen.